This is the lie. Confidence is earned when we execute in perfect alignment with our aspirations and our ideals. Here's the truth. Confidence is earned when we take action, make mistakes, own them, and move forward better. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. As a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. It was just recently that I was in a team training, and we were teaching the five qualities of intentional communicators. And what we teach is triple C, double E, clear confident, concise, energetic, and effective. And the team that I was working with had a lot of questions about the topic of confidence. And we started talking a lot about confident communication. And it was in the process of talking about how to become a more confident communicator that I realized what we're really talking about is how to become a more confident person and how to become a more confident leader. And it kind of spurred me to think about this topic some because it's something that I actually focus on a lot and also work with one-on-one clients on this topic a lot is the topic of healthy confidence. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is how to be a more confident leader and a more confident person. And I want you to remember before we jump in, the way we define leader at Path for Growth is that if someone depends on you, then you are a leader. So truly, unless you live in a cave, the question is not, are you leading? The question is, how are you leading? And what we always say when we come to this topic of confidence is that other people will not believe in you or your message if you don't believe in you and your message. And that relates directly to this topic of confidence. So in thinking about this, I said, okay, well, if I was to do my best to describe What is Path for Growth's definition of confidence for impact-driven leaders? And this is going to be the definition that we base today's content and today's episode on. And this is in the PDF that's available in the show notes of this episode, but you could also write this down. Here's the definition of confidence that we're going to be referring to. Confidence is healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past, what is true in the present, and what's possible in the future. I'm going to say it one more time. Confidence is healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past, what is true in the present, and what's possible in the future. Now, what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to break that definition down into three sections, the past, the present, and the future. And we're going to talk about really what goes into making you a more confident individual and leader with regard to this definition. But before we get there, I just kind of want to share three things with you that kind of shape my paradigm and my frame for looking at this topic, because these are the things that it's like, man, if we don't agree on these things, then this content isn't going to be valuable, practical, or helpful for you. But here's the three things that really informed my perspective going into writing this content. And these are available on the PDF as well. Number one is that there's a difference between confidence that is earned and confidence that is delusional. We're talking about the difference between earned confidence and delusional confidence. Now, remember at Path for Growth, we help impact-driven leaders do something very specific. We help them practice healthy growth. 
Now, if, if you're just going to a leadership class or if you're just going to a personal growth class that's growth for the sake of growth or selfish improvement, they might advocate for you practicing delusional confidence. What that looks like is you looking in the mirror and telling yourself a bunch of things that might not be true but make you feel really amped, pumped, and motivated because you're freaking awesome and you can do whatever you want and go for it. And uh, that's great, but sometimes that's delusional. And I see too often that people pursue confidence, but they don't do it in a healthy way. And what I want you to know is the confidence that's sustainable, that's life-giving, and that's healthy is confidence that you earn. And how do you earn it? Well, you earn it through action and you earn it through truth. And we're going to talk about that a lot in this content today. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know, and this is crucial to understanding the paradigm we're working with today, confidence is not the absence of weakness. It's the awareness of weakness. This is not an exaggeration. The most confident leaders that I know are the ones that are most intimately acquainted with their own weaknesses, and they are simultaneously most able to discuss those weaknesses in the presence of others. That's what confident leadership looks like in a healthy manner. It's not pretending like weaknesses don't exist. It's not pushing weaknesses into the closet. It's saying weaknesses exist because, yes, I'm a leader, but I'm also a human being. What confidence looks like is not ignoring them. It's being hyper aware of them and committing to working on them. So confidence is not the absence of weakness. It's the awareness of weakness. And then finally, number three, the third thing that I want you to know before we jump into this content is that confidence is an external expression of an internal reality. This is a big one, folks. So a lot of the the books and podcasts that you can listen to on the topics of confidence and charisma and and things like what we're talking about today, they're going to change the tone of your voice or the volume that you speak or the expressions on your face or the way that you carry yourself. And I think that all of those things are important, but really those things are external ramifications of an internal reality. And if you only fix the external, it will not be sustainable confidence. My approach and the way that I focus on it for myself, and this is how I've built my confidence in the past and how I'm continuing to build it in the present, is I focus on what's going on internally, and then a lot of times I end up being surprised by, man, that kind of shows up externally sometimes. And so that's what I'm really going to walk through and talk through today is how do you build internal confidence because it's out of a place of internal confidence that external confidence will flow. It's crazy how if you meet someone that has an internal sense of healthy assurance, of strength, of boldness, and they've got that internally, you know what looks really good? Their posture. You know what else looks really good? Their smile. You know what else sounds really good is the assertiveness of their speech. And it's not necessarily because they worked on all of those things. It's because it's an inside job. So the three things you need to know, there's a difference between earned confidence and delusional confidence. Number two, confidence is not the absence of weakness. It's the awareness of weakness. And number three, confidence is an external expression of an internal reality. So let's return to our definition because that's what we're going to be breaking down. Confidence is a healthy assurance of what's been learned from the past, what is true in the present, and what is possible in the future. 
So if you go through the PDF notes on this, you're going to notice that what we're first going to break down is confidence is a healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past. And this relates directly to a principle we talk about a lot. I think it was Andy Stanley who originated this quote. There is not wisdom in experience. There is wisdom in evaluated experience. This is so important for us to to recognize and understand because I'm talking to you now about the topic of reflection. And one of the things that often challenges leaders that are impact-driven is that a lot of times, if you're impact-driven, you're thinking so much about the future that you lack a level of intentional introspection on the past and in the present. I know this can be true for me in certain seasons, and I coincide with customers that a lot of times one of the things we spend time talking about is what does it look like for you to intentionally reflect on your past and on the present? And what I want you to know is that the strongest leaders that I know dedicate time to disciplined and thoughtful reflection. They don't just let life happen to them. They step back seasonally when it's appropriate at certain dedicated times and ask the question, what happened there? Because that's what reflection really is. Whether it was a peak or it was a valley, it would be valuable for us to know how did we end up on that peak, but it would also be valuable for us to evaluate and understand how did we get in that valley and to really understand why. And and there's two reasons why this is so crucial, Why, why the practice of reflection in building confidence is so absolutely crucial. Number one, it helps you mentally get to the bottom of your failures. And I would actually modify that a little bit from the notes. I would say it helps you, if you're doing it right, it helps you mentally and emotionally get to the bottom of your failures. Here's what I want you to hear on this topic. The confident leader gets to the bottom of the things that the insecure leader runs away from. I'm going to say it again. The confident leader gets to the bottom of what the insecure leader runs away from. Here's how you can spot an insecure leader is that they make a mistake, they have a failure, they see an imperfection, and they run away from it as fast as possible. And sometimes we live in a culture today that we we glorify and we say we celebrate failure. Well, first of all, I don't think we should celebrate failure like I, because you will repeat what you reward, right? So I don't know about celebrating it, but I do agree that we we don't have to dramatize it. But I think what we need to do is we need to learn from it. And you can't learn from the thing that you're running away from. And so this is really crucial. I had I had a professor give me this advice in college. He said, Alex, when you trip up, sometimes I think your desire to move so fast from the thing that you tripped up from keeps you from actually internalizing the lesson and the gold that was there. Wow. What valuable advice is that? So so think about this. Are you someone that is mentally and emotionally getting to the bottom of the mistakes you make, the imperfections you have, and the failures you face? Now, I don't want you to dwell on them. I don't want you to sit in a pool of pity. But I think it would be wise that when you get really stressed out for a season or when you overextend yourself or when you have a team member leave or when you push your team too hard or when y'all don't serve a customer really well, you just say, okay, Let's spend a little bit of time, either collectively or in my journal, and ask the question, what happened there, and allow yourself to mentally and emotionally get to the bottom of it. Because the leader that doesn't get to the bottom of it is 
is really doomed for it to happen again. That's one of the things I admire most about Dave Ramsey. That guy never makes the same mistake twice. Like, literally, he got into debt once, went bankrupt once, and said, never again, and has built an entire company around literally saying, never again. And that's the level of intensity we should bring to learning from our mistakes. Never again. Let's get to the bottom of this thing and figure out why it happened so that it doesn't happen again. But here's the other thing that reflection helps us do, and it empowers confidence in us when we do this. It helps us remember and reproduce wins. More often than not, I see that leaders are under-resourcing the areas that they are actually winning. And some of you right now, I know this without a shadow of a doubt. I've done this long enough now that I know this and I can say this with certainty. There is someone that's listening to this right now that is currently winning in an area accidentally that they should be winning in intentionally. What would it look like for you to spend time reflecting on, acknowledging and amplifying the areas where you, your team, your business, your life are strong? Where you don't just say, okay, we're strong there, so we're just going to continue on as is. But you actually say, well, maybe we're strong there accidentally. Let's become strong intentionally, and then let's pour gasoline on that fire. Here's where I see this show up all the time. Sometimes we'll work with businesses in a coaching scenario or a coaching situation, and they'll tell us, man, Alex, like almost all of our marketing is word of mouth. And I bet you that applies to a lot of you that are listening to this right now. And what I find is that they have team members that aren't intentionally asking for word of mouth referrals. I find that they don't have a system for incentivizing referrals. And I find that they're not deliberately and regularly communicating to their team about getting referrals or word of mouth connections. Now, I cheer all that with you because that's an area where that business is clearly winning. Number one, they're serving the customer exceptionally well, and they're getting word-of-mouth referrals, but they're winning accidentally. And what would it look like for that leader to become intentional because they reflected on it so that they could remember and reproduce the wins in the future? Now, here's why these two things make us more confident, because it helps us make sure that we're learning from the past. And what we said confidence was, it's a healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past. I see this all the time, is that if we can intentionally remember the areas that we've won in the past, it makes us infinitely more confident in the present. One of the biggest ways that I've found I can, in a single coaching call, build someone's confidence is if I sit there with a client and I look them in the eye over Zoom or in person, and I just ask them, hey, I want you to tell me with regard to this specific area that we're talking about, what are three areas that in the past you've done this well, or in the past your business has won in this area? And what's crazy is more often than not, it doesn't take them time to list three areas. But what's even more crazy is that as they list those three areas, their posture gets better, their countenance becomes brighter, and they become, before my very eyes, more confident in the situation they are working on in the present. And so some of you aren't feeling very confident in the present. And what I would tell you one strategy would be to focus on is to look at similar scenarios where you've won in the past and remind yourself and remind your team of those things because confidence is healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past. The second thing in your PDF is it says that it's healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past, but also what's true in the present. 
And I want to talk to you a little bit while we stick on this topic of the present about your standard. Because I think that one of the greatest reasons why people lack confidence is because their standard is unrealistic and unhealthy. And the only reason why I know this is because I've practiced this before. This is actually something that I identified in a counseling session that was so outrageously helpful for me because I was at a stage with regard to my career and my personal growth where I I felt paralyzed almost and I wasn't moving forward and it was all mental and emotional blockers that were keeping me from moving forward. And I spent some time talking to my counselor about this and one of the things that he said is he said, well, what do you think like would have to be true for you to trust moving forward? And one of the things that I told him was, well, essentially I'd have to have all this figured out. I need to be able to check all these boxes. And, and essentially here's what I was saying. I didn't say these words, but this is what I was saying. I need to make sure I'm perfect in everything going on right now for me to move forward into the future. Think about how toxic that belief system is. But now think about areas where you might be holding yourself to that belief system and to that standard. Because here's the lie we tell yourself, and this is the lie that's in your notes. This is the lie. Confidence is earned when we execute in perfect alignment with our aspirations and our ideals. That's the lie. Because think about that for a second. In perfect alignment with our aspirations or our ideals. And when we have that, then we can move forward. Here's the deal. It's called an ideal because it's an ideal. You're never going to be perfect on it. And so if you wait to be perfect to move forward in confidence, you will never move forward in confidence. And this is me kind of talking to myself right now because it's like, man, if you are holding yourself to a standard of perfection to be confident, you are holding yourself to a standard that is rooted in a lie. So now let's talk about the truth that is way more healthy and realistic. Here's the truth. Confidence is earned when we take action, make mistakes, own them, and move forward better. I'm going to say it again. Confidence is earned when we take action, number one, make mistakes, number two, because that's inevitable. If you take action, you will make mistakes, and we can count on that. What we can't always count on is that we own them. So we have to hold ourselves to the standard that I will make mistakes, but I will own them. And then because I own them, I will move forward better. That's a standard that I can be outrageously confident in. I can confidently tell you today, I'm going to take action. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to own those mistakes and I'm going to move forward better. And if that's the standard that I'm held to, then I can be incredibly confident. But one of the things that we talked about in the podcast conversation, I think it's the one that that I did with Zach Estes, our COO. One of the things we talked about was a principle that I heard Tony Robbins say once that he said, the person with the most certainty always influences the other person. And I think that that principle is true. Now, I think that principle can be leveraged in ways that are toxic or ways that are healthy. And here's where it becomes toxic. I think it becomes toxic when leaders feel tempted to speak certainly and with confidence in areas that they don't have certainty in. That becomes really toxic because then you're portraying essentially delusional confidence. So confidence is not rooted in certainty of success. Confidence is rooted in my commitment to act and to improve. 
And so here's the, what you need to hold yourself accountable to is resisting the urge or the temptation to speak with certainty about things that you are not certain on. So here's what that looks like practically. If I was to come on here and tell you, man, you need to listen to the Path for Growth podcast because it's the most polished and prepared podcast ever, and it's just going to be a masterclass on business and leadership because I'm a business and leadership expert, and our whole team has this entire thing figured out, and we're telling you we have the way that if you follow it, there's no doubt in my mind you will absolutely get results. Okay. First of all, that is delusional confidence because it's rooted in me portraying a level of certainty in things that I can't be certain about. Now, it makes for really good marketing, but just because it's good marketing doesn't mean that it's true. Here's what healthy confidence looks like. Hey, we're building this thing called Path for Growth. And we've got a podcast where we are literally documenting how we are building this business and leading this business as we are figuring it out. And it's definitely not the most polished thing in the world. It's far from the most organized thing in the world. But one of the things that you're going to get to do is you're going to get to be on the journey with us as we're learning and growing. And one of the things that we believe is that the best growth is the growth that we get to experience together. And so we would love to experience that with you. Here's the difference. I don't paint myself as an expert because I'm not an expert. I'm someone that's growing and learning every single day just like you are. I also don't paint the picture that we have this all figured out because we are so far from having this all figured out. And I don't set the expectation for people that it's going to be unbelievably polished and organized because, quite frankly, right now there's times where we are not unbelievably polished and organized. Now, what is the expectation that I do set for people? Well, the expectation that I do set for people is that, man, what I can tell you is that we are committed to excellence, we are committed to serving the customer, and we are committed to constant, never-ending improvement. That's a standard that for our business and for me, I can be outrageously confident in. And it means that whenever I show up with our clients or on a sales call, I don't have to be anything different than real. And sometimes I see that leaders don't feel confident because the expectations that they've set for people aren't true. So they haven't earned the ability to be confident. So it's so important for you as an action item out of this piece, healthy assurance in what's true in the present, to speak truthfully. And I'm not just talking about avoiding telling white lies. Of course, we should all avoid telling white lies. Resist the urge of exaggeration. We live in a culture today that celebrates exaggeration. And what I want to let you know is that as a business, that it, it will make your life miserable. And believe me, like this is something that I only learned because I struggle with it, right? I can be an exaggerator and I know this, but the times when I'm at my best is I don't speak exaggeratively, if that's even a word. I just speak truthfully. And I tell people, this is where we're at. This is where we're going. We're committed to excellence and improvement, and we'd love for you to join us on that path. You know how relaxed I feel about that? You know how healthy that feels? Because it's healthy assurance in what's been learned from the past, in what's been learned from the past, but also what's true in the present. Now let's move to the final piece, possible in the future. I have a question for you that I'd love for you to think about. 
What's your predominant emotion when you think of the future? Is it anger? Is it shame? Is it gladness? Is it sadness? Is it fear? I'll tell you, as I was writing this content, one of the things that I realized and thought of is, well, I think if I'm being honest, sometimes it's gladness associated with excitement. But I think a lot of times for me, at least in this stage, the predominant emotion that I feel is fear. And that can be fear of failure. That can be fear of the unknown. That can be fear of what people will think sometimes. That can also be fear of the unexpected occurring. But here's what I want you to know, and we've talked about this before on here. Fear is not good or bad because feelings are not good or bad. Feelings just are. Here's what we need to remember. Our fear can devolve into worry or our fear can escalate into wisdom. And I want you to know that the confident leader operates in wisdom. Because when we allow our fear to turn into wisdom, what we do is we become prepared and we become competent. And when we become prepared and we become competent, when we become on top of the things that we can be on top of, what is the result? Well, the result is confidence. I had a mentor recently tell me that, Alex, it's helpful to consider the worst case scenario it's unhelpful to worry about the worst case scenario because a lot of times the worst case scenario isn't the most probable scenario. And some of us need to start considering the thing that we're dwelling on. Of course, you shouldn't be blind to the worst case scenario. You just need to consider it. And what's that called? That's called wisdom. And more often than not, the people that I know who are the wisest are also the people that are the most confident. Joyce Meyer has a great quote, and I thought of using her accent on here to give it, but I'm not going to do that to y'all. She says, worry is a down payment on a debt that may never come due. Some of you listening to this right now spend irrational amounts of time worrying about things that you can't control, and it keeps you from focusing on the things that you can. And when you focus on the things that you can control, the result is earned confidence. The result is healthy assurance. So there's three things that I want you to focus on to make sure that you're having that state of healthy assurance with regard to what's possible in the future. Number one, don't let yourself be the only person you talk to about the future. I've found that, man, I can write these crazy narratives in my head about what's going to happen in the next month or the next three months or the next six months or the next year or the next 10 years. I write all these crazy narratives. Turns out I'm a killer fiction writer (laughs) because I always thought I liked nonfiction. Turns out I love fiction in my head at least because I write all these narratives that are essentially fairy tales. They're not based on facts. And if I allow them to stay in my head, I treat them as facts. But whenever I tell them to a friend or to a coach or to a counselor or to a family member, I can see on their face and sometimes they're even telling me, they're saying, Alex, that's just not true. it's It's a beautiful sentiment and I understand where you're coming from. It's just not true. But if I don't speak them, if I don't verbally articulate them, if I don't get out of my head in front of other people, this is what our growth groups do. This is what one on one coaching does. This is what office hours as part of the Path for Growth membership does. It gives people the opportunity 
opportunity to verbally process in front of other high-caliber leaders what is going on in their head. And the reason why we provide that for people is because I know I need that. And so I'm assuming if I need that, there's probably other people that need that too. But too often, we start writing entire novels that are all fictional in our heads. And, and that's not healthy assurance in what's possible for the future. Because a lot of times, the narrative that I write in my head is way more harmful than it is hopeful. The second thing I would advise that you do as a practical item out of this is write your anxieties. When you put your anxieties on paper, they lose their power. So, I mean, we could really break down these practices into paper and people. But I will tell you, and I've done this more recently than I'd like to admit, sometimes I use paper as an excuse to avoid talking with people. And there is no substitute. There is no substitute for talking to people. So, yes, you need to write your anxieties, and, and that can be a daily practice for you because we're practicing healthy growth. We're just writing down what's on our head, but we also, man, we need to talk to other people, and we need, we need to narrate what's going on. And then, finally, number three is just know what can be known. Sometimes people are walking at, around all stressed and unconfident about the unknown. They have a fear of the unknown, and that's making them inconfident. And it, in reality, it's just that there are things that they could know that they just don't. Sometimes I'll find myself in this area where it's like, man, if you just spent an hour knowing the things that you could know about what's going on, you wouldn't be in such fear of the unknown. And you know what that's called? That's called stewardship. And when you practice stewardship, the result of it is outrageous confidence. So, yeah, know the condition of your flock. I mean, know how your team members are doing. Know how your customers are doing. Know how interactions are going on. And and don't allow yourself to participate in irrational worry, but you should know what can be known. So those are the practices that I want you to focus on with regard to what's possible in the future. Don't let yourself be the only person you talk to about the future. Write your anxieties. Put them on paper, paper and people. And then finally, know what can be known. Okay, here's the final thing that I want to tell you, and this is in the PDF as well, and then we're going to close out this episode. I feel like it would not be fair to teach a lesson on where I find my confidence if I only talk to you about self-confidence. So my final piece of advice in all of this is to live into that definition of healthy assurance and what's been learned from the past what's true in the present and what's possible for the future. But then my final piece or my final thought for you is to root your confidence in something that is way bigger than yourself. Because think about self-confidence. There's a lot of courses and books and writing and podcasts on the topic of self-confidence. But self-confidence by nature and by name means that I'm ultimately trusting in me. And that's a problem because I know me <laughs> and I'm super fallible and I'm super imperfect and I'm super inconsistent and I'm, I'm not outrageously reliable. Why? Because I'm a human being. And so it, it doesn't mean that I can't trust me at all, but it's really important that I lean my mind and my heart on a wall that's way bigger, way stronger and way more sturdy than my own ego. And so if you really want lasting, true, sustainable confidence, make sure that you are leaning on something that's bigger and greater and grander than you, that you are rooting your confidence in immovable truth. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it's no secret to you that for me, that's the power of an 
Almighty God and the sacrificial passion and grace of Jesus Christ. But what I want you to do is to define what is immovable truth and lean on that. And I'd love for our faith to be the same, but it doesn't have to be the same. That's the final thing that I want to share with you because really that is where my confidence comes from. Y'all, this is a fun episode to record. I hope that it's valuable and I hope you take some time to think about how do I actually put this into action. Thank you so much to all of you that write reviews for this podcast or send us notes about this podcast. We read your emails. We read the reviews on Apple and it's always so encouraging and so helpful for me and for our team to know the way that you're taking this content that's in your ears and putting it into action to create impact for those around you. I want to let you know that if you want to stay connected with everything that we're doing, Every Wednesday, we send out Worth It Wednesday. This has been an absolute blast. It's a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. It's an email that should only take two minutes to read and always be worth it, worth your time, worth your energy, worth your inbox. So if you want to get on that list, the link for that is in the show notes. Hey, remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. My strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.